Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. This is the Sticks and Gloves podcast. This is a podcast that's going to be covering all things lacrosse. That ranges from the PLL to the MLL and the NCAA, and even sometimes we're going to be talking about the MCLA. Each weekly podcast will provide you with all the need-to-know information from around those leagues. I'm the host, Jack McKeown. I play here at Chapman University. I'll be providing the hot takes as well as detailing various key points from that, we- that week's games. Um, this will include predictions for the top 10 that week in the NCAA, um, as well as the MCLA, and looking out for the Toroton, um and looking towards the Toroton awards list in my top 10 um, and who I think is going to win that. Uh, to start this podcast off, I just want to talk a little bit about the PLLs where we're going to be starting. So uh, probably about a month ago, Paul Rabel and some other players um, who used to play in the MLL announced that they're going to be creating their own league, the PLL. Um, they did it by trying to start a social media frenzy by releasing the players um, releasing the players with personalized bitmojis on social media that would announce their allegiance to one of the six teams. And the teams are the Archers, the Atlas, the Chaos, the Chrome, the Redwoods, and the Whip Snakes. So one by one, the rosters were unveiled for each team. The league founder, Paul Rabel, kind of like the most well-known guy in lacrosse. Um, he's done a lot on YouTube and just um, being an advocate for growing the game. So he landed with the Atlas Lacrosse Club with fellow U.S. gold medalist Trevor Baptiste, who's just the most dominant faceoff man of all time, Ryan Brown, Kevin Understein, Stephen DiNapoli, Tucker Durkin, Kyle Hartzell, just Team USA is like a bunch of their key players. Um, so they're having a good, good roster. Um, but I thought it was a funny way to announce the team for this new lacrosse league who's going to compete with the MLL. Um, they have this idea that the teams are not going to be specific to a certain city, but rather a travel method where each city will tour across the country. You know, one week they're going to be in Maryland, the next week they're going to be in New York City. They haven't released where they're going to be playing yet, um, but it's kind of a crazy idea. I'm not sure how it's going to work and how there's going to be a fan base if they're not a, there's not a home team for anyone who's watching these games or planning on watching these games. Um, yeah, okay, and so now... And the thing I found funny about the way they chose to announce it is through each p- player had a personalized bitmoji. Um, you know, it looks kind of like them, kind of not like them. It could look like anyone else with the same haircut or same color eyes. And I think that is a problem with the pro lacrosse league. Um, It seems as if they think lacrosse is a lot bigger than it is. Um, Most of these players, I love lacrosse, all right? Uh, I've been following and watching the game since I was in fourth grade. I play now in college. Um, But still, releasing this with a bitmoji doesn't make any sense to me. For example, Jules Heinenberg, he's an attackman from Rutgers University, plays on the San Diego Seals indoor team. His face, he's a rookie. His face is not recognizable enough around America to release a little bitmoji of him and have people know who he is. Maybe if it was a bitmoji for Tom Brady, people would know. You could do it for the NFL, but even some players like a not-so-good cornerback, if you have released his bitmoji, people are not going to know who that is. So I think doing it for all these lacrosse players where maybe the top 10 players people would know based on their bitmoji, but outside of that, 
no one really cares enough or is into it enough that I know at least who would know what this guy's bitmoji is going to look like. So for me, announcing the players with the roster is a little weird. I'd rather just say um, Tom Schreiber from Princeton University. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember watching him at Princeton. That, to me, makes a lot more sense. The next thing I want to talk about is the team names they went with and the mascots or kind of like the logo um, designated for each team. So first off, we have the Atlas. It's a pretty cool logo. It's like a bowl with really long horns and the colors are kind of a teal blue and purple. Um, now, I think the bowl is pretty badass looking and if the PLL ever grows into it being a city-based league, I think the Atlas would obviously end up being pretty sweet in Austin or Dallas, something like that, where there's bowls, I guess. Um, but I have no idea what Atlas is. It's just one of those words that you've heard your entire life, but how does it relate to a bowl? I feel like it has something to do with maps, like you need an Atlas, I don't know, I'm not sure. Um, so that's probably like my least favorite name. The name is pretty bad, um, but the logo is pretty cool. The colors are cool. I think that team will be cool. Um, next we have the Whip Snakes. Whip Snakes is possibly the most random thing they could have thought of. Actually, there's another team that might be the most random thing. Um, it's pretty badass, and the, they have the snake in a logo, so it looks like a lacrosse head. Pretty cool. Colors are weird: red, mint green, and forest green. Don't know what the uniforms could possibly look like with that, um, but I guess we'll have to see. I guess the whip snakes and you're whipping it when you shoot. That's kind of cool, I guess. Um, all right, next team is the chaos. Ooh, it's a little corny. I thought the helmet is just black with red chaos on the side. Come on, couldn't have done anything better. The logo is a scorpion. I think a scorpion would be sick on the side of a helmet, but I don't know. Just Chaos, just that's just a tough name for me. Um, tough name for me to really get behind and like. Um, okay, so we're gonna we skip them. Whip snakes, whatever, they're okay. Archers, really like the archers name. I think it's sick. You know, pull back, pull back the arrow and let it fire. Pull back your hands, let it rip. Kind of connects well with lacrosse. Um, the logo is pretty cool. You know, just like the tip of an arrow. Um, the game is the Native Americans game. They used to shoot arrows, maybe that's what they were going for. Pretty cool. Um, orange and blue, kind of standard, you know. It's all right, you know. They are uh, they got a good name, pretty solid colors, decent helmet, so I'll give them about an 8.5 out of 10 for that. Um, here's my favorite team. But also, I have one thing that I don't like about them. Their name is the Chrome Lacrosse Club. Now... What does that mean? Are they going to wear all chrome helmets, all chrome everything? Not really sure, um, but the logo is pretty badass, and the colors is what I really like. Um, I'm going to find it hard to believe that once the uniforms are released, the chrome aren't going to be the cleanest looking uh, team in the league. The color's great, the logo's cool, um, the font's cool, but I just don't really like the name of chrome team. Um, the colors, by the way, are light blue and pink, kind of the way like Miami Vice, like everyone loves those Miami Vice uniforms that the Heat wear, or maybe the Marlins will wear once a year. Um, you know, pretty sick colors. Dwayne Way looks good in them. The jerseys sell well. Um, so maybe they were going for like a Miami kind of look with this. Um, and then the logo's uh, a helmet, like a medieval knight's helmet with pink wings coming off the side. Small little wings like coming out of the ear. Pretty cool. 
honestly might be my favorite logo. I just don't understand, like I said, the name, the Chrome Lacrosse Club. Everything better be Chrome. And even if it is, it's kind of cheesy. I don't really get it. Um, but yeah. Um, and then going on to the last team announced is uh, the Redwoods. This one, you know, I kind of thought it was going to be sick. Like, okay, Redwoods, you know, California. Maybe it's a California team. They got a cool logo. It's a, br it's a bear. Um, in the background of the bear is a, the detail of a tree, like a redwood behind the bear. Pretty sick. And the colors, though, are brown, green, and red. And maybe even yellow. Um, when I saw the helmet, oh my gosh, I just cannot believe it. Let me pull it up. The helmet is the most hurt thing I've seen in a long time. First off, I'm a guy who really likes a white shell on the helmet, and then you add the colors everywhere else. You know, white's just clean, simple, fun, easy. Um, but for the Redwoods, they went with a green shell on the Cascade S and a green chin strap. Too much green. I don't just, I don't know, green helmet doesn't look good. And then there's a brown chin on it and a brown sticker. The brown bear, as their logo, is on the side of the helmet with yellow trim. It is so fucking ugly. Excuse my language, I just can't believe that they... You have six teams, and these are the colors you guys chose. Maybe they're just trying to be bold and put it out there, and maybe it'll draw attention to it. I'm not sure what they're going for. We'll see how it turns out this summer. Um, but yeah, those are the new... PLL teams. I'm pretty easy to please, but I uh, felt like they didn't do a good job of choosing the right logos and colors and stuff. I'm not sure who's on the board for this, but you guys need to hire me because the aesthetic is not there. All right, now we're moving on to MLL news. The MLL announced on Monday its plans to restructure um, and fold three franchises to focus on expansion in strategic markets. Basically, the PLL stole all their best players, and now they were like, oh shit, we can't have a team in Florida. The Ohio Machine, who's been pretty historically good in the past, and the Charlotte Hounds, they're going to take a hiatus and return in 2021, allegedly, um, under new ownership. Um, I think this is kind of, I mean, it shocked me when I woke up this morning and saw it on Twitter. I was like, oh my god, before the PLL even starts, the MLL's tanking. They're getting rid of three teams. Um, Florida, I thought, excuse me, Florida I thought was a sick team. They have great colors, good players. You have the Thompson brothers. Um, and I thought they were on the rise. They had a good season last year. Um, but now the league's definitely going to still be dominated by the New York Lizards and the Denver Outlaws. Not, I just don't, I can't believe they're getting rid of three teams. That's pretty crazy to me. Now, this is so crazy to me because PLL just was announced, um, you know, in the first couple months of this year, and MLL's already given in. This is uh, removing summer jobs from all these players who plan on playing on the roster and didn't switch over to the PLL. Um, I don't know if the PLL is still looking for players, and now that these guys' teams have folded in, um, that they might switch to the PLL. I'm not sure what's going on there, but it's like, all the people who work in the stadium, the ground crew, all these people are out of jobs now. And I think it really hurts the city most in growing the sport. I think that if little kids um, were fans of these franchises, that they're not going to understand what's going on. And you just lost a fan. I think it's going to be really hard to win back these fan bases. Um, Ohio's been working well. Florida, I'm not sure how 
the lacrosse uh, in Florida is. I know IMG Academy is there, who's really good, um, but all those kids aren't from Florida. It's basically pay, pay to play. Um, so I just think it's going to be hard to get back their share of the market when these teams do plan to come back in 2021. Now wrapping up with the MLL, I'm going to move on to NCAA and giving you guys my top five, maybe top ten uh, rankings here. I didn't have a chance to watch all the games over the weekend, but I did get a chance to tune in to the Penn State-Maryland game. Um, so Penn State coming into the game was ranked number two, and Maryland was ranked number three. Penn State came out on top um, after getting back attackman Grant Ament from injury. Um, and this was Penn State's first victory over Maryland, I believe. So it's a big win for the program, um, and I'm putting them at number one. Um, a 13-10 victory, pretty solid victory over the number three team. My number two spot might surprise some of you out there. I'm going to go with Loyola. Um, they appear to have sorted out some of their defensive issues since absorbing an early loss in March um, at Duke. Um, they've rattled off three victories in a row now, giving up a total of 19 goals in, in that span. And I just can't seem to rank them any lower than that, even though they were six last week. Um, they have Pat Spencer. Pat Spencer is the best player in the country. He's unguardable, and if you double him or put your best defenseman on him and guard him, he's finding the open man who may not even be open. He throws a perfect pass. He gets the job done. I think he's going to win the Tuaraton this year. Um, it's not even close, really. I think everyone knows he's going to win it, um, and that's why I'm putting Loyola at number two. In my number three spot, I have Yale. They're coming off a triple overtime loss to Penn, who Penn looked really pretty good in that win. Um, but a loss is a loss, and I'm bumping them from one to three. Next week, they have Dartmouth, who they should get an easy win over. Um, so I think they could stay at three, depending on if one or two lose, they'll move up. Number four, I have Maryland coming in. Um, yeah, they lost, but... I think uh, they were number three, and I still think they're one of the best teams in the country. Um, that's a program who's just continually good year in and year out, and I think they're going to be able to keep getting it done. And running out of my top five, I have UVA in that fifth spot. Uh, they're previously number eight, but some teams took some losses that allowed them to move up into that position. Second half of March, they've been really dominating teams. The last three games, they've scored over 16 goals a game, and in the last game, they scored 17. So that's just a really powerful offense. Um, it's a good program, good history. I think uh, they deserve the number five spot, and they'll keep getting it done week in and week out. That just about wraps up uh, the first episode of Sticks and Gloves Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I'd love any input on the Instagram, Twitter. Let me know. DM me. Send me what you want to hear, what you want to hear me talk about, anything I missed, anything you're critical of. Any input is welcome. We'll take it as constructive criticism at this point in the process. Um, thank you for tuning in. Sorry about the sound at the beginning of the podcast. I went on campus and tried to use this fancy uh, studio hub with these microphones and soundproof walls and a mixer and everything professional, and it just sounded really shitty. There was echo in the background. My voice was grainy. Couldn't figure it out. The people who work there didn't know how to use the stuff. I asked them, and they said, sorry, we're not trained. What do you mean? You're getting paid to work at some place? where you don't know how how any of it works. Sorry, I was just baffled. Anyway, tune in next week. Episodes are going to be dropping every Tuesday from here on out till summer. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what else I can do to improve. Thank you. <laughs>